HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a nonprofit with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Change menus, change lives. Learn more at chefscollaborative.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Can a life be completely, totally, irreversibly uprooted and restarted and changed? Cynthia Cherish Malloran, a.k.a. DJ Cherish the Love, shares her story about how an accident leading to amnesia, followed by treatment for aggressive breast cancer, did just that. We are continuing our series on new beginnings, It's Monday, May 22nd, and this is Love Bites Radio. Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you from Heritage Radio Network. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Raposo. I'm 35 and single, and you can find me as at Words Food Art. And I am your other host, Ben Rosenblatt. I am 34 in a relationship, and you can find me as at Ben Rose NYC. Hi, Benny. Hello, beautiful. What a smile. Oh, you've got what a smile, too. Thank you. So um, we've got a very special guest in the studio today, and she has a new show on HRN about weddings called Wedding Cake. And you'd think that we were going to be asking her on to talk about weddings, considering our show. Oh, no, 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 But no, no, no we no. are not. We are, we are flipping, <laughs> we are flipping uh, the table. We are dramatically shoving everything to the floor. We're like pulling the table of cloth That's off, but <laughs> leaving the dishes on it. What's, what, is there a name for that I don't maneuver? Know, I, feel like, I don't know. I feel like there should be. But should we just... I'm going to introduce I was gonna our say, lovely guest. Should we stop trying today? to? Should we, should we stop, stop trying to banter and just yes, read the script? Because we're just <laughs> epically failing. Anyway, Cynthia Cherish Malloran, aka DJ Cherish the Love. Tis I. Yes. Hello. Hello. Is the drama-free DJ? That's right. She has worked with clients including Amy Schumer and Oprah. 
opened for artists including A Tribe Called Quest and worked everywhere from L.A. to Japan. Her work with Hospice Patients has dubbed her the DJ for the dying, and she's also spent time working within the prison system and with the Lower East Side Girls Club, all under the banner Music Heals. She's the host of Primary Foods and the new show, Wedding Cake, as we just said, here on Heritage. And she's got a truly fascinating journey to share with us today. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad to share this story because there's so many. So, yeah. So many there's, good you pieces have in it. so many stories. And so it's taken a while to figure out exactly which one we wanted to have you on. And I think our new beginning series is quite perfect for that. I agree. So why don't we start the show with our little, our little three-person chat, um, discussing the idea in general of the before change like when you want to dramatically uproot your life because you you had you had two series of dramatic uprootings that we're going to get to so let's talk about like when you want a dramatic uproot but can't so either for something that's happened in your past or if you are at that place now why don't we each share maybe like three words of something that we want to, to change or want to change um And like the before part, like things that need to change before they do, if that makes sense. Who would like to start? Do you want to go first? Ooh. Okay. All right. Well, I will. Mine's very quick. Like I'm sort of there right now. Like my life needs a huge reboot and I'm sort of trying to figure out how to do that. But right now my, my path feels very vague and I feel very unsure and I feel very undersold. Like right now I feel very like I need, I, there's no path in front of me and I don't honestly know I'm working on on changing it, but there are definitely things that need to happen. What are the roadblocks to changing it? Uh, Mostly uh, financial and physical. Like I am very limited physically and I'm on a very precipitous place where if I fall back into habits of just overworking, I'm going to get sicker very quickly and not be able to work at all. And that's my pattern. My pattern is to try to fix things by working. And especially when things are financial, I, I like, well, if I just work more, I will make more money. And then I get so sick that I have to quit life. And then people have to take care of me and I can't work for a year, two years until my body gets better. And so I'm very aware of that. And that's very scary. But I am falling deeper into this this place. And it's a very, it's I'm very scared. Like my, my heart's starting to beat right now thinking about it. So I'm trying to like keep that chill and I'm trying to keep the faith and Sometimes I have the faith and I'm positive and sometimes I've completely lost my faith and I, I just don't see a path and I'm sort of being open, but I don't, I can't, I'm, I'm trying all these things. And I'm still not seeing the path. And so I'm not sure yet what will create the big change, but I feel like I'm on the precipice of a big change and I don't know what the instigator is going to be yet. And so that's where, that's where my unsurety comes from. That's why things, that's why my three words are vague, unsure, and I feel undersold. Like I feel like my potential my big selling point my big my big you know duke's deuce ex machina hasn't come yet that's going to be the big shift mm. what about you guys i think you should go first because i'm going to give you the feels oh <laughs> all right all right all right all right um i think that was sort of matthew mcconaughey whenever i do three all rights in a row <laughs> i have him in my head all right all right all right all right all right, all right. <laughs> Um, I don't mind that vision. I know, right? It sort of makes me laugh afterwards. Um, My three words, I I don't know that I've ever had a major uproot in my life. I feel like I've tried to and have been, I think, on the same path for a long time, especially... Well, you have constant mini uproots. Yes, I do. I have a a lot of mini uproots. Um, But I think the biggest change I've tried to make in my life over uh, the last several years 
um, if we're using three words, the thing, the challenge or the change I needed to make was um, unable to commit. Ooh, oh, you made a phrase. Uh, yes, I did. Very wise man. Unable to commit. Um, and so I have, I think I'm in the middle of a pretty major right. change in that regard as I um, am now like a year into this relationship. Yeah. What, what's I, most helped you move forward in that? What's most helped you get to a different stage? I think just deciding to do it. I, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, I gave myself permission to not be perfect. Um, and Can I give you three words of what I think did that for you? Of what I've observed? Sure. Patience, persistence, and trust. I feel like in no in see, having seen that journey over the last year with you, that you've just sort of been patient in your relationship and you've been sort of trusting in yourself and in your, both your faults and your strengths. And, uh, you've always, and persistent. persistent. Yeah. And you've been persistent and no, and, and taking things as far as you can with it, you know, like you haven't given up, you've been persistent in challenging yourself and your partner. Thank you for feeding that back to me. Huh. Um, yeah, I think I have been those things and it's been really helpful and there are still challenges and fears that lie in the way. Um, but combating those one day at a time. And those are very, I think those are three interesting things now that I think about it to have seen in you as you've moved forward that I think are very applicable to all types of major change, persistence, patience, and trust. Interesting. Therapy session. I know. Oh my goodness. Okay. Invoices in the mail. Our guest of honor. (laughs) Wow. What did I need to change before my big change? Yeah. I remember my life. I remember just always wanting more freedom. Mm. Actually, let me rephrase it. I wanted freedom, not mm. more freedom. From? Well, I'll get, I'll get into that. But I think the three words that really fit that time was I felt stuck, dishonest, and underutilized. Mm. And Oh, dishonest. That's such a painful word. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Totally dishonest. And I think I was the living, walking embodiment of that Anais Nin quote. The, um, I have it here. And the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Oh. That was me. Uh. That was me. And I kept asking for a change. And I got it. <laughs> so careful how you ask for things. All right. Well, can you describe what was feeling like what was what was feeling wrong about your life? Because you on paper and, and listeners at lovebitesradio.com, there's a little bit about um about Cynthia's pre-life. And, I will, and I'm going to put, now that I think about it, I will make sure that on uh, wordsfoodart.com, that's my website as well, I'm going to put some words from Cynthia from our pre-interview as well so that you can read her, more of her story because she articulates it so well. Um, but what, what was making you feel like this tightly wound little bud? Oh, it's, I think it's my values of what success means changed or needed to change. My values of what success was, was just revolving around dollar bills and chasing thousand dollar invoices at a time. And I was literally that, you know, that machine. I was a very successful designer working advertising, publishing. And I thought, I'm making them, I'm making money. I must be successful. But I was so unhappy. These days, I value success so differently. I value extreme happiness and freedom and joy and like feeling like my life is lubricated Mm-hmm. And 
that is what's bringing money. And I didn't, you know, nobody teaches you that. I mean, not my parents who are, who are uh, immigrants from the Philippines who are just all about making, making money to survive. I mean, you know, first degree, uh, first generation immigrant kid here. So this is what I was exposed to my whole life, that if you're able to make money, then, hey, you should be happy. But no, right. not at all. Okay. So, yeah, go ahead, Ben. It reminds me of this uh, book I read in grad school, and I am blanking on the author right now, Vein of Gold uh, is the title of the book. And it's essentially about how um, finding the specific thing that calls to you actually is going to help you be more successful and can be more, um, especially in the, uh, in the arts, but in, I think in any field, um, can be more, end up being the more lucrative thing than kind of like doing what you think um, is going to make money or the thing that has been typically um, financially rewarding for other people or whatever, but like the more specific you can hone in on your own vein of gold is what the Mm. author called it. Like the more potential there is actually for success. And listeners, I just looked that up while Ben was speaking. That's the vein of gold, a journey to your creative heart by Julia Cameron. Thank you. That's really where I feel like I'm at Uh, now. Julia Cameron, of course, of Uh, course. Wonderful. I'm going to look into that. I feel like that might be a guidepost for me right now. Thank you, Benny. Um, so, listeners, normally now is when we would play a game and I would put Ben in the hot seat. With I hate being in the hot seat, so I'm so glad I don't have to be there. But, yeah, Debbie, <laughs> That's the sound that plagues my dreams. <laughs> um, but I've asked uh, Cynthia instead to read something that she shared with us in our pre-show interview. So Cynthia is a born and bred New Yorker, and she, like she uh, had just said, was in this very dark place of making a lot of money and being this tightly wound bud that needed to blossom and needed and was begging for a change. And she got it in a very violent way. She was with her husband in Sweden and was in an accident. And she described this accident to me in such a visceral way that I was typing while I was listening to it and then I wanted her to actually read it to you because as she was describing it I could see it so clearly in front of me and so I want you to listen to it and then we'll take a break and after the break we're going to discuss this new beginning that came afterwards for her but Cynthia why don't you describe this moment this, okay yeah true story the last thing I remember I hit a little pebble of some kind and the longboard started to wobble. I blink, and suddenly I'm just sitting there in the grass, and I'm like, where the hell am I? And I'm sitting with my legs crossed, like, what the fuck? I turn to my right, and I see my husband running down the hill in slow motion. And it was like, whoa, that's weird. And then I see him fall, falling in slow motion. And it was like, wow, he's floating. I turn my head again, and I'm looking straight ahead of me, and what was road, is now all grass in this field. And I look down at my hands, and my palms are pooling up with blood. And I'm like, oh, shit, my hands are all scraped up and fucked up, and I must have fallen or something. And then I realize the blood is dripping down from my face onto my hands. Oh, shit, the blood is coming from my face. And as I'm about to say something, I'm like, oh, my teeth are missing. And I remember thinking in that moment, oh, this is what hockey players feel like. And then I black out. I got chills. (laughs) Yeah. So after the break, we're going to 
describe what happened after that moment in Sweden and what happened when she came back in New York. But before we take a break, I'd like to remind you that all 70 plus shows of Love Bites are available for a listen on heritageradionetwork.org, on iTunes and Stitcher. We appreciate you becoming a member of Heritage to support these nerdy, gutsy shows of love. Click on the beating heart to find out more about what you get as a member. And know that every review on these platforms means the world to Ben and I, too. We are always available to you as at Love Bites Radio on social and via email at lovebites at heritageradionetwork.org. And now we'll be right back. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Chefs Collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the United States. Chefs Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters, who acknowledged the influential role of food professionals on our food choices, our collective personal health, the vitality of cultures, and the integrity of the global environment. Chefs Collaborative believes that the greater culinary community can be a catalyst for positive change by expanding the market for good food and helping to preserve local farming and fishing communities. Change menus, change lives. Learn more about Chefs Collaborative at chefscollaborative.org. And we are back. You are listening to Love Bites Radio with our guest, We've Cynthia bo- <laughs> Cherish Malaran. Devlin and I are both sitting here with our shoulders up to our ears <laughs> yes. right now. Uh, because of that story. Spine of, tingling. Yeah. So, so, Cynthia, from this longboarding accident, you shattered all of your teeth. You broke your shoulder. You busted your knees. You were brought back to New York with post-concussive syndrome that left you with amnesia. You said that when you you walked in, your dog ran away from you because he didn't recognize you. And you walked through months and months of not knowing your family and your husband and your life. Um, so can you describe what you most remember about that change? What changed about your how you moved in that space and how you moved amongst your loved ones. What was the biggest difference for better or for worse? You know, you think it, it just sounds so horrific. It sounds like a straight up nightmare, but the way I was experiencing it, I got that freedom that I wanted because I, I didn't have any, I didn't remember my responsibilities. I didn't remember I had to pay bills. So you didn't remember, remember what you did. I didn't brush my teeth for a month. I didn't remember you had to brush your teeth. Oh, wow. So your habits went out as well. Totally. As, oh, wow. Totally. Oh, totally. Oh, um, oh, yeah. Just so many basic things. Took months up to two years for me to realize and come back. So what were you thinking about then? Not much. Huh. Yeah. I remember sitting in my living room and just thinking, what do I do? And I had so many scars and, you know, I had stitches. And so everyone was kind of leaving me alone and letting me just convalesce, right? But nobody was engaging me or telling me, like, don't you have clients waiting for you before this trip? You had, you know, I had, I remember looking at my desk after close to two years after the accident. Yeah, this is so insane to say this now because now I'm so active and so it's like better than ever. I looked at my desk and I had three computers. There was one 
one Mac desktop computer, uh, a PowerBook, a larger one, and a, and a white smaller one. And I was like, what? And they were both closed, and the desk was covered in dust. And I remember thinking, whatever I was doing before, I must have been really good at, because I have so many computers. I open the white one, and my mail starts loading in, and finally stops at like 7,000, I think the number was 7,998 emails God. in my inbox. And I randomly scrolled through, and I would see things like from from a friend, a dear friend, who was like, where are you? So I wasn't on like anything, you know, I was just kind of in my apartment. And I don't even remember much of like what I was doing. So it was really crazy. I looked through, I saw client emails and things like that. And I was like, okay. And then I just closed the laptop. So what started triggering your memories? Because you did eventually regain a lot of them. So what started bringing everything back? This is amazing because in my kind of ignorant, like naive bliss of this like brain fog that you get from post-concussive syndrome. So post-concussive syndrome, as I understand it now, is something you experience. Not everyone experiences it, but most people do once they have a mild or uh, MTBI, mild traumatic brain injury, or a serious TBI, traumatic brain, brain injury. And it's basically... You know, you've kind of like chemically jarred your brain. You've, I hit my now ex-husband said he saw my head hit the ground three times. So how I survived one, let alone two more hits that knocked my teeth out and so on. It's like, so I hit my head really hard. And it took that long for me to just kind of get out of that fog. So I, I remember thinking like, oh, my God, like what? What am I supposed to do? And I don't remember where it was playing from, but this Paula Anka song, it was Lonely Boy, started playing. And I suddenly, for the first time in that span, started thinking about my past. Mm. And that was so nice because I didn't even realize I didn't, I wasn't connecting to my past. I had gone to a wedding while I was in my healing and... A woman came up to me to, she just like walked up to me at this wedding and I, I went to shake her hand and she recoiled like, why are you shaking my hand? It was my aunt. I did not recognize her at all. Um, I saw pictures of my mom with black hair and I just, I didn't even, I couldn't believe that's what my mom ever looked like because she has white hair. So things like, I wasn't connecting with who I was. If you asked me what school I went to, I couldn't answer that. Like all these like bizarre, you know, like things that you think you would totally remember. It's like just gone. And it wasn't, maybe it wasn't gone because I remember it now. It just was blocked or fogged. Or, I don't know how to, it's a phenomenon. How you know? did it feel to start getting those memories back? Scary. In what way? Because, you know, it's funny because at first I was like, oh, I'm remembering things. But one of the first things I realized was, wow, you know what you remember often? The bad memories. Oh, wow. Yeah, bad memories come back. And, and you're like, why couldn't I just forget that? <laughs> and, and I started oh, to think no. like, oh, oh, that just, you know, so as I was healing, things started to kind of just like come back to surface. And I was re- remembering certain things. And I was like, but wait a minute, but who am I? And what did I do? And like, what am I good at? And I'm not making money now. And people are telling me just chill. I made that money before. So I was living off the savings while I was healing. And I was starting to feel like really lost, but free. So I remember, I remember thinking, like, I guess I can do anything with my life now. So how did, especially since those darker memories were coming back, how did you choose? Like, how did you, you could have chosen to pick up 
certain relationships or to go back and being a designer and, or you could have fallen prey to those darker, those darker memories. And the person that we interact with is not a dark person. Um, so how did, how did you choose as you went along? I think because I had, I was kind of playing games with myself, like, all right, maybe those things aren't that important, you know, like as they, as they started to come back, you kind of get, when you have that freedom, it's like, you kind of get the permission to pick and choose what you want to hold on to. And I started to also psych myself out that maybe that shit didn't really happen. You know, I'm sure it did. But, you know, I I started to realize like, okay, I am actually at this really incredible place where I can make decisions. And I felt I knew inside of myself that like, this is a new, this is a new me. And to confirm that I looked at old journal writings from years before. And I was like, wow, this is a very unhappy person. And knew me could see that. And I was like, I don't want to be that. Do you have relationships? Did, did you have relationships that you no longer have or relationships that were positive relationships that you miss or, you know, have fallen by the wayside? Did I? Well, my I was married at the time when that happened. And after my accident, I completely lost connection with the man I was in a relationship with for almost 11 years to the point that that's why I filed for a divorce when he would come home and I would hear his key go in the door. It would freak me the hell out. I actually thought he was like a stranger. We separated and I just was like, I'm so sorry. I just don't really think you belong in my home. And that was really incredibly hurtful for him to experience. And he expressed that to me and everything, but it was my absolute truth. And I felt like I need to start over. So speaking of starting over, how many years was it after your accident that you then started feeling ill in a different way? So that's a great question because that freedom post-accident started to slowly turn into something is not right. So my accident was 2008. Wow. Time really flies. Time really flies. And, um, around maybe 2012 or so, like after my, after my divorce was finalized, I got into a new relationship and was learning about what it was like to really like be with someone I felt like for the first time, which is so weird because I had been in relationships, I had been married and I felt like I was having this whole new understanding of, Oh, what it's like to share a space and a, and a home with someone. Um, he was an alcoholic and I didn't really grasp that. I didn't understand it. There was so much I was still relearning about myself and the relationship was so stressful on all of those levels because of his, his, uh, his alcoholism and everything. And I didn't understand what its effect on me was. And the stress of that started to create, I guess, another downward for me. And in that time, I started to feel sicker, um, nauseous, lots of headaches. And I was attributing the headaches to the head injury. So I went to see doctors and they said, no, well, you know, once you have an, a head injury, it kind of doesn't get worse. You know, if, if it if you start to feel sick or something new is happening. So and eventually, you know, we went down the path of diagnosing me with breast cancer. And that was the other new beginning, which was the real cleanup. 
that I had. Right. What kind? What can you tell us? What kind of breast cancer it was again, please? Aggressive ductal carcinoma, which is not a very Invasive. common breast cancer. It it, it actually is. It I is. have okay. a a strain of it that's HER two positive. There we go. Yeah, that's okay. Which I'm is something. I guess you can say the scarier the version scary, of that. Yeah. Yeah. But, right. Okay. So. Yeah. How did how did your experience with your or did your experience with your accident prepare you for another big upshift at all? Because they are two very different experiences. No doubt, but no doubt this about is it. Another big wallop. I mean, once you see yourself, and God forbid you ever get to see yourself bleeding in ways that you shouldn't be bleeding, it does prepare you for crazy things like, you know. A, a surgery for a breast cancer diagnosis, things like that. I mean, you know, I hate to say in the past, I realized a pattern that I had, which was, I'm a tough girl. I can handle it. Bring it on. Mm. Never say that. Mm. Wow. Never say that. Just say, I'm a tough girl. Do not test me. <laughs> you know, like, because you will be tested because right. you're asking for it. You know, and, and you don't need to prove that to yourself. Like nobody needs to experience that. How many new starts do I need to have to prove that I'm a good person? Right. You know, like I, I had made a joke and every time I told this joke to people, like kind of like we're so moved by it. I said, you know, I, I felt like with every new um, new start, it was like my phoenix had risen from the ashes again. And I was like proud of that. But then I remember laughing about it and going like my phoenix is saying, stop throwing me in the fire. <laughs> And and that's important uh, because you don't need to go through so much discomfort in life to learn to love yourself. That's really important. That's a great lesson. Um, is there anything still from either of these two, you know, instances or new beginnings that you're still struggling with today? think so i really don't think so that's really so freeing to say i mean i got new teeth from it (laughs) oh here's another thing you know like be really careful about what you don't like about yourself like i really hated my teeth and they got knocked out of my face you know like i hated my breasts guess what they're gone you know like the way you treat your body i feel like your body responds to it or i'm not really into the universe karma karma kind of like magical thing but I think that words and your energy about your life and and your body and stuff are really powerful. Well, speaking of that power, let's talk about how the music came from all of this, because like Ben introduced you in the beginning, you now have this very jet setting life where, you know, the the photo that we're using of you is of you on a gondola with your boom box. And (laughs) you just had this beautiful trip to Japan that, you know, on Instagram, we were hitting heart, heart, heart over and over. (laughs) Um, And, you know, like you, you meet people and you spread the love everywhere and you get people dancing and happy. And this is completely different than your life before your accident. So how did specifically, how did these two, endings lead to this new beginning of this life for you with your career and what and what you get to do with music now and the idea of music heals like that being your sort of banner yeah it's fantastic Uh, one of my major clients as a designer was sony so i was exposed to music a lot i was designing graphics cd packages and madison square garden um, signage and stuff like i would go to concerts and see like Oh, that's my signage on this massive, massive screen. But I was always musical. 
I, I think I got sick of just being in front of the computer all day long. And I knew, and I could see this in my journal writings, I wanted to be with people more. That time when I heard the music after my accident, and I started getting these flashbacks of high school and, and childhood and seeing my uncle and things like that. I, I just kept playing music like I was relearning my favorite songs all over again, which is really wild. And I was feeling really good about that. And I said, you know what? This is one of the things that's really making me happy. And I started to just hoard, hoard music. And I actually had a ton of music in my hard drives, so old iPods and stuff. And I was reliving it, re-exposing myself to the music. And um, told, I, <laughs> this is really crazy to say now, I told people, hey, you know, I, I, have, I would love to throw a party for you or DJ a party for you for one penny. And people would give me one penny to DJ their party. The more I did that, the more I started to see like everyone's like kind of happy. Mm-hmm. And I like this environment. And I started to understand that, well, and, and it goes into gigs that I do now. If you're having a bad day or a bad week and I'm DJing for you, you're not anymore. Yeah. And the, another photo that we have of you is you going through treatment for your breast cancer with your music in front of you and a smile on your face. And how did that permeate the environment of, of that for you and the people around you in that way? Music is great because you listen to it and... It just, I feel like it stimulates so much more than what you're thinking about. And, you know, like you ruminate on things like fears and fears and stuff. You listen to a song and parts of your body start moving. Wherever you might have had trauma can start like twitching to the beat. And and that, it was medication for me. Hugely important. When I would play music in my room in the chemo suite, the nurses would tell me, oh, the person next door like loves this. Mm. And I was waiting for them to tell me to turn it down or whatever, but not once. Aww. Not once. It was wonderful. Oh, I love that. I have a question. That, that like Your whole like philosophy on life seems so cohesive and so part of you. You just speak about it so, you know, completely, confidently, and so it's just who you are. And I'm curious if you feel like you would have been able to find this part of yourself had it not been for the accident or had this, had you not been forced into this or had it not been kind of thrust upon you, would you have found your way here? It's funny you say thrust upon me because I feel like I asked for it. I feel like I built it. I got exactly what I wanted, but you have to be really careful, like how you ask for things. Like I used to say, if only I could do X, Y, or Z. Yeah, I would get it. Like if only I could spend more time with my mom. Yeah, I got it. She had a stroke in my bathroom. I got more time with my mom. Now I start to say things like, I would love this to happen, but only under good conditions. And then it happens under really good conditions. Now, it, it is my philosophy, and I think that's important to set that kind of philosophy for yourself so that moving forward you feel safe and that you're not scared about living in this life. I think that's, that's probably one of the most important things I also realize about constantly living in fear in the past. And I really think I had drummed up the result. You know, I don't think that I would be this version of who I am without these traumatic experiences. And I don't wish it upon anyone to get this kind of education. That's why I like to tell the story. It's like, hey, chill out a little, because here's the truth. Illness will happen if your body can't fight it. 
And if your body can't fight it because your nervous system is constantly irritated or rattled, therefore your immune system is being taxed all the time, you're going to get sick. It's like common sense. So now I'm on the other side of I respect my nervous system. Something as simple as you go to a restaurant, you look at the menu, you don't like what's on the menu. Most people will still sit there because they served you water. That is irritating. (laughs) That irritates you. You should never let yourself stay in a place where you're uncomfortable because that taxes your nervous system. And then it taxes your immune system. And then that all adds up in the day. And then you snap at someone because of all these things. If you sit in pants that are wet, irritating. That is so internalized. I don't do this stuff anymore. Like even on the smallest, like the littlest level, I freed myself of all of that. I have the from like the shoulder hunching before. I just have a big smile on my face now. It's just, that's I mean that's so powerful so and so hard to do. I yeah. I feel like I sit in irritating in irritation so often. See, I don't often, but it's because I think I've dealt with a similar crap situation of knowing how the the, the struggle is in some ways. You know, I, like I know just, that a lot like of people the, the do. The joy is just so delicious once you get it after you've been in a place where you can't get it, I get. But yeah. but it takes work and it takes experience and it takes... It takes work. Other things. For sure. And it takes things and like an accident or right, something, yeah. you know, or being inspired. And getting in the habit of constant choosing to shed the bat, you yes. know, like the irritating. Here's bat. something that I would say to myself often in the beginning of my realizing this. I don't deserve this. Mm. And I would get up and walk away. So in my past relationships, I realized I let myself be, I don't know, uh, stressed out and stuff like that. And, and if I had that mindset back then, I would not have been in those situations. So, Ben, you don't deserve that. Well, thank you. Thank you for that permission. Before we let you go, we're at, we ask all of our guests one final question. What has, in this circumstance, your new beginning or your double new beginning taught you about love? Oh, I love this question so much. Yeah. I was going to think about the answer, but then I realized, let me just see what comes out in the moment when you ask me. That if you don't love yourself, you won't be able to attract recognize or understand people who love you. Period. True story. <laughs> I think we can both benefit from pondering that, huh, Benny? Absolutely. I think we're going to, I think I want to talk to you about that once we turn off the microphones. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Cynthia. You're so welcome. I'm bursting with love right now. Me too. It was really a, really a, pleasure to hear your story today yeah. thank you very much for sharing it you're so welcome thank, thank you, you for helping me thank uh, you help for, other people with this story yeah. thank you for being here and for being whole and i'm glad you are whole and healthy and have another updated cancer-free report yes i do as of late yeah yes. so yay wonderful yay. 
Um, that is our show for today, listeners. We will be back next week with another story about new beginnings. You can find all of our shows in this series and our past series at heritageradionetwork.org on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you, as always, to our engineer, David, who we adore and love and bow down to. Our theme song is Give Love by Josh Dion. We are Jacqueline Raposo and Ben Rosenblatt, and Love Bites will be back next week right here at Heritage Radio Network. See ya. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Save the world.